Number one book. I tried yeah. to avoid it. I tried to pick something else. But if I pick something else, it would have been pretentious. Becoming Egyptian. Yeah, yeah. So this was a last-minute surprise pick, and then once I once it came into my mind, I was thinking, yeah, it, it always had to be that. Right. And I would say my reasons for picking this as the best book I've ever read are different to my reasons or the set of reasons that made me pick the best um, album and. The, uh, and the movie so the album and movie ones was similar reasoning yeah um this one is more just uh i acknowledge that it's far more just personal the effect it had on me when i read it and political influence which is something i don't usually care much for but for this one it seems to be an exception mm. Mm. but in terms of honorable mentions the ones that i was weighing up um the brothers karamazov commonly known as the greatest or the second greatest or the third greatest by the sharpest critics of the book um, in Western literature by the infamous um, long live Fyodor Dostoevsky. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think our friendly neighborhood Lex Friedman's favorite book is The Brothers Karamazov as well. <laughs> so that, that's a mark against it. Yes. Can, you, can, can, can anyone pick up that book and enjoy it or do you need some prior reading or prior listening or what is that a no, standalone great i think so yeah i think it's a standalone great and I, I had a really interesting personal experience with that book which was that now i acknowledge it and i there's no doubt in my mind that it's one of the greatest things i've ever come across but while reading it i hated every second of it and mm. even afterwards upon review i was thinking no, this was such a waste of time. It's a thousand pages. It's a thousand pages translated from Russian to English about a family. It's a sweeping epic. Goes like across generations. There's like three different stories going on. I guess it's sort of Tarantino-esque in that sense, except that it's sequential. It's not out of order in a linear right. sense. Yes. Um, it revolves around, yeah, one family, the sons of the family and how they are. They each represent an ideal and how those ideals play out is what I think Dostoevsky wanted to see. Even when he was writing the book, he didn't know how it was going to end. Mm. And just, how did you get through a thousand pages, Sid? How? Who does that? Yeah. It, it was no, a, seriously, like how did you get through that? Well, I actually didn't get through that. So I, re I got through like 500 pages or 600 and then I converted to the audio book because it was too much of a waste of time to sit down with the physical book to read it. So I had to listen to the second half while exercising or while yoga or some, something like that. And what about space? Does it take up space, the book? Like, like the, on my bookshelf? Yeah, like yeah. is it spacey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's another thing because that should be holding the place of four books, but now I'm limited to just that one. Yes. And, but the, the main reason I didn't enjoy the book wasn't any of this. Okay. Um, during the reason I didn't enjoy the book was because the book I read before that was the other greatest book I've ever read that also didn't make the cut, um, Beyond Good and Evil, which was the... So um, you skipped that over that? No, so like because I read Beyond Good and Evil just before The Brothers Karamazov, my bar was set to like oh. unimaginable proportions. I was expecting a book of insane philosophical depth. I was expecting a treatise on humanity. Right. And I got no such returns. I, I got a really, really well-written book, but that's that's it. Right. Okay. 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 So Maybe my my angles were blown out of proportion. So you though. did something very unfair to Dostoevsky. Yeah, by comparing him to Nietzsche, which is as unfair a comparison as you could get. Mm, mm. Yeah. And then and and those two both got weaved through. 
on your path to finding the best book of all time? Yes, yeah. Those two were um, some of the ones I was weighing up really heavily. That's insane. Hold on one second. So the book, the Beyond Good and Evil, the book that <laughs> heightened your expectations too much for possibly the greatest book, The Brothers Karamazov, right? So the book that did that to The Brothers yeah. Karamazov also is the little bitch to the book that you picked today. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I hope that's true because otherwise my logic's inconsistent, right? Wow. Okay. Let's yeah, see yeah, this. yeah. Um, and then I guess the only other one that I was weighing up was uh, The Alchemist, which is a mm. common shared favorite for the two of us. We've definitely mentioned it on the podcast as well a couple of times. Um, and that was moving for a very, very different selection of reasons than the other two. Yes. It was informing and transforming, um, but not in a very heady, cerebral way, just in a mind-opening, heart-opening, soul-shattering kind of way of like what's true and what's worth fighting for kind of thing. Yes. So those were the three I was sort of weighing up and right up into the last moment. And then this last one came into my mind and I thought, nope, hell to those three and I'll pick this one. Right. Okay. Yeah. Are you ready to reveal what it is or shall I go through my near misses? Yeah, you go through yours. Now, I've only read 13 books or something like that, like on my Goodreads app that I showed you earlier. Mm -hmm. It's all organized in a linear fashion. And most of them are like business uh, business books, self-help books. Yeah. So I guess that's kind of, it's kind of hard to put those in your best books categories because it's like, it is the best, but it's the best at teaching me how to find... Uh, untested waters for competition in uh, sports businesses. So it's like <laughs> kind of silly to put that in the all-time great. So I had to skip over all the, all the business books and all I was left with was a good book, which also is kind of a business book, but an autobiography, Shoe Dog, Phil Knight, the founder of Nike. Ah, uh, yes. One of my favorite books that I've read so far. Just the journey that that guy went on, I felt a lot of parallels to my own life and like, so obviously a real life smug yeah uh, uh parallels up until the point where you actually got successful <laughs> so yeah. um when you when you when you think about these like big businesses that got built over time you can imagine like i can picture myself seeing him having many times where he wanted to give up but the writing style that he used, and he's not an author, but the, the style in which it was written made you give up with him every single time. Right. So instead of saying, oh, I could see why he would give up there. In, instead of that, we had like ego dits like seven times in the book. like Together. Together. I give up. I give up. I give up. And it showed me so much about myself in that I'm not cut from the same cloth as full night yet. And I want some of the stuff that Phil Knight, ha Phil Knight has and has achieved. But this book was one of the first to highlight to me that even though I want some of those things for myself, not to run sweatshops in China, but to, which I don't think is then that's Apple, right? But it's also Nike, I think. It's also Nike. Anyways, I don't want that kind of stuff for myself, but the perseverance, the, the hard work, the endurance, the long haul that Phil Knight displayed, I want some of that stuff for myself. But... I really got to see that, whoa, if that happened to me, I would have given up. Mm. I would have given up here. And then he lays out this situation, I would have given up again. So there's like, not only would I not have gotten to the fourth situation that he outlined because I would have given up on the first, he outlined 10 layers that I've got to work on personally to ensure that I wouldn't give up at that point in time. So 
he highlighted not only that I'm not quite there yet, but there's going to be a shit ton of shit happening along the way. And that was profound for me to read that in a book form of one of the most successful. Is this a biography or an autobiography? Did he write it himself? He, re- he wrote it himself, yes. Okay, yeah. Um, Do you think it was dramatized for effect in parts? I mean, that's always the case with these like autobiographies. When they end up telling a good story, there's some falsehoods in the story just because... But it had its intended effect on you, right? And for exactly. the positive, so... For the positive. And it, it just yeah, it just showed me that I've got to work on becoming the cloth first. Yeah, yeah. To uh, say that you're cut from the same cloth. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, so that, that was in contention. Um, another book that also wait wait before is it phil nike or knight phil knight knight so where the bloody dark knight vernacular comes through again exactly just coming through this entire episode another book that i read that i really enjoyed was actually a romantic novel a fiction which i don't read romantic i rather watch romantic on in movies Mm -hmm. but it's called the rosie project and um i actually bought it for my mom for her birthday because it was on the Whitkills top 100 shelf. You know, Whitkills is a store in New Zealand if you don't know where you can just go buy books. And it was on, they do their own personalized top 100 where they put, you know, Mark Manson, the style of not giving a fuck, has, hold, has held the number one spot for maybe four <laughs> years now, however long the book's been out. But yeah, so the Rosie Project was there. It's a trilogy, but I just bought the first part for my mom. And naturally my mom did read two pages and stopped. So I said, you know what, it was more like I wasn't interested in the book, but I wasn't about to waste the money that I spent. So I read it. I read the book. And what a book. Like, what a book. The Rosie Project. Yeah, it's just, um, I won't go into what it's about, but such a nice read. Like The circumstances by which you started reading it are the more interesting part, right? That's the more interesting part. The botched gift. The rest is just a book that I enjoyed reading. That was good, yeah. But botched gift. Big whoop, right? (laughs) Big whoop. What are you going to do, right? What are you going to do? Yeah. Now, what you don't hear every day is your mom didn't read it and then you picked it up where she left off from page two. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) But I guess I'll reveal my number one. Were those the only two um, in contention? Yes, because I discounted all the business books that I read, which is like 10. Why? Why were you so quick with that? Because... I I love the books, but they're very specific. So like it's the best book if you want to learn how to monopolize or if you mm-hmm. want to learn how to this. Yeah. But like I didn't think it was fair to count that into the best book of all time in general because they're playing like different games those books are. So yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so I just ruled those out. And I've got so many books on my reading list that I'm sure will blow away my number one book that I currently hold because yeah. I've got so much left to read. But... Funnily enough, the number one book that I read is actually one that I bought for my dad that he didn't read. <laughs> so the first one comes from my mom that she didn't read. Second one I bought for my dad that he kind of read. He didn't get it. He didn't get it. I think and actually he might have finished it, but he just didn't get it. Right. Like it just didn't click. He just it didn't click. Yeah. What was that? Oh, is this the one that and you picked? And this is the number one. This okay. is the one that I picked. You're just not good at gift and giving. And it, it actually got ran through by you on your journey to the number one. <laughs> okay. And it's The Alchemist. Okay. Number one <laughs> book. I tried yeah. to avoid it. I tried to pick something else. 
but if I pick something else, it would have been pretentious. The Alchemist is the Erling Haaland of books. It's undeniable. It's undeniable. What he's going to score. Every game, it? he's going to score. I could have chosen something else. I've read other books, but I can't. I yeah. can't. I can't pick anything better. There is this paragraph in The Alchemist where the or chapter in the book where the boy meets this tribe in the desert <laughs> where he is with the alchemist now and the alchemist without the boy's consent that these the tribe that caught them were going to kill him and the alchemist but the alchemist without the boy's consent said hold on this boy's got special powers by tomorrow, he's going to demonstrate how he can harness the wind. Yeah. And the boy has no idea about this. He's never harnessed the wind before. So all he can do now is harness the wind or get killed. You tell that to anyone and they just die on the spot, right? Because what's the point of trying to harness the wind? He sits out there. Turns out not only does he harness the wind, but he harnesses the power of the sun, the moon, the galaxy, everything in between. But that's just a highlight or that's the only thing in words that's ever made me cry. If you want to read it in the book form, I butchered it, like the profundity of that chapter. I butchered it right now. But if you read that, that was the only time I've ever shed a tear in literature. <laughs> I can attest to the first hand profundity you continuously claim to have felt the first time you read The Alchemist because you're always talking about it. I think in terms of... Um, pieces or rem like uh, things that are crystallized in pop culture the alchemist is right up there with perhaps the nevermind album as the thing you've mentioned the most amount of times to me exactly and i say it to some people and the guys that are like uh, that think they've got like a smart head on their head that that think they do are like oh the alchemist i've read that cool little cool little book dainty you know, little yeah, thing yeah. dainty little thing you know quite a reductionist take on purpose you know <laughs> this kind of bullshit yeah but just just get out of here. Like, stop trying to pretend like you are the man when this book, this book has provided purpose to a lot of people that are purposeless. And the person who's going to demean the book of the alchemist is going to then um, make sacred and consecrate the communist manifesto and tell you about how that's the real way to go. Exactly. It's the same. Yeah, it's the same guy. Which leads me to my reveal. <laughs> Um, my take, my the, the best book I've ever read, the best book to ever exist is called Animal Farm. Oh my goodness. Yep, yep, yep. George Orwell at it again. So obviously if you're going to go down the George Orwell path, the obvious answer is, I guess, 1984. Animal Farm is up there as one of his great works, but it's sort of seen as like the second in command kind of thing, you know? To, animal, uh, to 1984, right? Yeah. And that was actually something I thought about in my journey now that I'm thinking about it 1984 yeah. yeah did you think about that at all yeah. yeah yeah but I ruled it out pretty quickly pretty pretty just a quick swift yeah yeah but it's sort of it's also Erling Haaland you can't not think about 1984 you know yeah 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 I guess do we get into the reasoning of course yeah right so I think like every sort of adolescent, maybe late teens, sort of has this one book that they read. It becomes their cardinal book that seems to govern the way they think for the right. next 10 years or so. And this is, I'm not going to try and lay out an objective case for why um, 
Animal Farm is the greatest book ever, but it caught me at the right time in life. It set me on the right path, I believe, by warning me of the wrong things in the right proportions. Yes. So um, the way it's presented, it's obviously sim- laden with symbols. And I think the symbols are um, like manifold and also very deep and penetrating and all of them land. There's not a single one that George Orwell misses with. Mm. Um And then also it just became sort of that document I use as like a what not to do and how not to think and how not to be in this world kind of thing. And Animal Farm is that cardinal thing that I just keep in the back of my mind always and not even by choice. It's just I can't get it out of my head. That's how much it moved me when I read it. And I think um, memorability is one one of the things that made me that made Animal Farm get etched into my memory. So it was there's some quotes that I just that are so can't yeah I can't get rid of them even if I want to and um yeah obviously you know foreshadowing of our times and all the general stuff that you can read on spark notes about but aside from that just like how much it is of our times and that was true when it came out and it's true today and it will be 200 years from Mm. now like the quote um all animals are equal but some animals are more equal than others yeah that's wild that's wild to me this is like um Tolerance. Tolerance is the name of the game. You have to be tolerant. You can't be intolerant. The only people we won't tolerate are intolerant people. And then you see that little move that's made there, that kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah. this caveat to something that should have no caveats. Yeah. And yeah. It's and the, it's an addendum in the um, film and the book as well of Animal Farm. They It starts with all animals are equal and it's a commandment that the pigs lay out. Pigs are the ruling class, which is already like, why is there a ruling class if this is a you know communist paradise? Um, so there's yeah it's all the errors that the book makes are there on purpose um, put in by the author for you to pick up as like an easter egg it's brilliant it's brilliant and to for something to change your thinking like that you almost need it to be a story like because like you read a book like beyond good and evil that takes the line of thinking that you were already in to the next level but you don't visit a book like that until something switches your line Mm. of thinking to flesh out that line of thought, you need the narrative. Yes. Yeah. So like you need, even even for me, like I see what you're talking about because obviously they're two different books. But when I read 1984, it made me lucid to some of the shit that could, can and is happening uh, from my point of view, but also the world's point of view onto me. And it made me a lot more lucid to these things. But I can see just from Orwell's style, like, I need to read Animal Farm, but I can see how he did that in that. But you need, like, uh, maybe that's the reason that you got into all the deeper shit. You need something to kickstart it, right? And mm. the Kickstarter has to be a story because I don't see how you can non-fiction your way into the fl- into flipping the switch. Yes, yeah, yeah. Only the narrative can intoxicate you in the way to get you into that world, right? Yes, and yeah. then once you're in it, you will call books like Beyond Good and Evil the best and stuff like that because they do take the ideas and crystallize them to the point yeah. where they're unbreakable. But yeah, that's very, very um, apt, if I may say. That's a, yeah, it's seen as a common gateway book for sure, an entry point into a certain type of world. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, Animal Farm is very, very incisive. And um, I think the reason I would pick it over 1984 is because 1984 got some things wrong just in terms of the um predictions yeah i think so um brave new world got more things right which is sort of the brother or sister book of that the totalitarian forthcoming dictatorship all that stuff um and i think animal farm got 
almost everything right, more things right than 1984 mm, mm. and trying to form like a cross section of a system. Yeah, yeah. I've definitely got to read Animal Farm. That's like one of my things. And it's good because it's so short. How short is it? Much shorter than 1984. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Then that makes it easier, right? Mm-hmm. That's always a nice thing to hear is like, what a nice book. But then you tell me it's a thousand pages. I don't know what to think about that. Yeah. I'd rather not. I'd rather watch a summary YouTube video, 15 minutes. You yeah, know? yeah. I So what we just fleshed out now about how the narrative is a nice um, sort of entry gateway kind of thing into a certain type of thinking. A thousand page book might be the way to go as a one-off for that. But then after that, you've got to ditch those. You can't keep reading thousand page books because you'll read five books and then you'll die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that might be enough to get you above the the, the, the argument is that that is enough. Apparently, if you just read Tolstoy and Dostoevsky, each with like mammoth thousand page books, yes, that gives you this crazy insight into humanity, which it just doesn't. Mm, mm. So, so, or at least not so disproportionately. You would, you would recommend that you're a bit. You should be wary of how much time you're spending on these longings. Yeah, yeah. And th- you have to be wary of their reason for making it that long. A lot of them are just rambling. <laughs> just rambling. Like, yeah, I think also like something I learned to do in when I was reading a book called Robinson Crusoe, which it was on in Whitkills again, the bookstore that I was talking about. They have a shelf of classics, right? And they're all got the same cover, the orange and white uh, puffin books mm. cover. And so when, when, when it's on that shelf, it's almost sacred. So you're like, okay, every word, every page, you're more aware of, you're more mindful when you're reading that I'm reading a classic. So you're more wary to glaze over anything because you just don't want to, right? Because you're expecting a lesson. Yes. So you don't want to skip over anything. So Robinson Crusoe was the first time I read something and I said, nah, this, this is bullshit. Like this paragraph is bullshit. Like... I took, a, I took some great lessons from that book, Robinson Crusoe, but it's the first time I ever felt like I got to give myself the freedom to skip over even the greats because there's things from there that, I, that are helpful and then there's things that are wasting my time, especially if I'm reading it, especially if it's made in 1820 and I'm reading it in 2023, there's certain musings on maybe newspaper production that's irrelevant. Like it's just properly irrelevant and the fact that there's still relevant things from a book in 1820 is already testament to how great the writing was. Yeah. So that's already great that not all of it was bullshit, but some of it definitely was bullshit. And that's the first time I felt the liberty to skip over something. And that's a huge mind opener, right? The fact that yes. you can now you have the freedom and liberty to do that. And you, you, with you personally knowing you, you then use that and utilize that across to other things as well. Where All things, yeah. Things that are in that sort of... Um, crystallized pantheon don't have to be there for like good reason yeah and that for me that the first thing that went well were the war movies in film yeah so i was telling you about this like long ago but there was a there was a point in time where i was in love with film and naturally you feel like you need to watch all the films but robertson crusoe like skipping over these pages like you said what it did for me was gave me liberty to skip over bullshit in other art forms as well even uh, even music, even paintings, you know, even saying I don't like that Picasso painting. Like, what, yes. what am I going to do about it? Yeah, like, yeah. Um, and but this is something that like uh, everyone seems to be scared to do initially, like because there there is this um, desire to be to have a tasteful taste or what's the word um, to seem refined. Yeah, to seem to seem refined. Yeah. And even I had, I would say 
one of the proudest things I've done is kicked that at least in my life is just feeling like you need to have a certain taste when it comes to art. And that's what a lot of, that's what I see happening a lot with a lot of classical paintings, music, art, where some of them generally are classics. There's a reason everyone reveres them, but some of them it's so uh, up to the person looking at it. And it is your job to say, I don't, get it Mm. i don't get it yeah what i don't understand is why there are some if we're speaking specifically about books again why there are some that seem to be not subject to scrutiny some are just there because they're there because they've always been there and we don't want to remove them from that great list yeah 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 and i think i i think also like i'm still happy for like that book to stand amongst the greats if the majority believes it's great but uh, but not everyone has to subscribe to that, right? Not yeah. everyone has to subscribe to that. And I, I guess that's sort of like a surface level thought because everyone sort of knows that. But the courage it takes to actually act upon that yeah. is two different things. Everyone knows that in their head that this is subjective, like in the sense that I cannot like it if I want to not like it. Maybe it is great in the sense that it's great and there's nothing I can do about that. But I cannot like it if I want to not like it. Stardust. Exactly. And, and so everyone knows that, but to actually say that, man, is difficult. Yeah. Well, you risk losing friends and that's not <laughs> trivial. Yeah. In general, people overestimate their own level of um, refinement and how dignified they are. They overestimate their own and underestimate others. And so when you've got a group of people who are like-minded, you don't want to lose that tight-knit bond. Yes, yes. The minute you deviate gonna, from the like-mindedness, you lost everything you built. So, which is why you, you better hope that you built something past the initial spark, right? Like, When did that moment happen for you, the Robinson thing you're talking about, when you realized you don't have to actually blindly devote yourself to the greats? It was on the ferry when I was reading it. Like, what like do you mean when? Two years oh, ago? Like, oh, how? Because uh, my, I'm just asking because my moment came about two years ago as well. Yeah, two or three years ago. And you know what book sparked that for me? What was it? Have a guess. This, okay, so we were talking about like what the best book is. Mine's Animal Farm. Then there's the honorable mentions, the ones that were in contention. Then this book is like opposite end that you couldn't like force it in my face and I like make me it. consider it. And I've told you about this book many times. Meditations by yes. Marcus Aurelius. Marcus Aurelius's Meditations is actually the worst book I've ever read. <laughs> Not like it's overrated. It's the worst. Yeah, yeah. It's just... And this is, I was saying to Sid that I feel like I'll have a different take because I feel like I'll like Marcus Aurelius. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. But you reckon it's the worst book, just full stop. No, nothing full stop. else. Like, say. obviously, you can say, like, um, you know, on aggregate, if you just read something else, it would be worse because it's less deep, less insightful, less incisive into the state and, you know, nature of humanity. But <laughs> the reputation that that book holds as like the seminal philosophical work versus the actual experience of reading it and the depth of insight, that's the biggest contrast I've ever seen. Not true. Just not true. Just not true. Yeah. Now, now you're going to have the, you're going to have the, you know, the deplorables tell me about how you have to read it five times. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like, what, like, so you're telling me that this guy wrote a book that he intended for people to only understand after five reads. Then, yeah, exactly. No one then intended the for that. other, it can end up like that, but no, I don't know if no people one intends intend for that. that. Like, I mean, people intend for the first reading to be great and that potentially leads to the fifth reading to be great, but no sure. one intends for the first reading to be bad. Multi-aspectual is fine, but shit, less shit, good, more good is not something anyone it's not can possible. plan. It's not possible. Yeah, and I think um, 
obviously it's not even he's not aiming that at an audience it is just his meditation so he's just sort of monologuing his way through it but like for a for a roman emperor that's heralded as much as he is like it makes me think i could have done the job <laughs> yeah yeah and i need to i need to read first before i can comment on this because <laughs> hearing the stories about marcus aurelius i really like him so yeah we'll see what happens but animal farm is now high on my list as well to read because it's short and quick and uh george orwell seems to be a bit of a master yeah did you know that's not his real name what's his name that's like a pen name or stage name like your name is lucas at the moment yeah 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 he said go to the washing and they don't understand they don't get sid for some reason he can't say sid so he has to say lucas yeah yeah, well, I don't know what George Orwell's name is, but um, he thought it would just be easier and sounds cooler, so he changed it to that. To and that. it does. It does. It does, yeah. Yeah. I, any, any more comments on Animal Farm? No, no. Just um, if you can't, that's one of those that um, it's probably in a lot of people's um, sort of like to-do or to-read list. I would say even if you can't take out the time to read it, just watch like a watch the movie there's a cartoon on youtube just watch that that Mm. you'll get a good gist of it get the idea so the idea stands like it's such a solid idea that a set of ideas that it stands past the text like yeah i guess the form of it doesn't matter too much yeah 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 but i get the same cannot be said for the alchemist you need to read that from start to finish to experience it in its entirety of glory yeah yeah because with the alchemist i think if you extracted the message it would kind of you'd be deterred to read, you would be yes. discouraged from reading the book because it's so simple. Like It's just packaged well. Yeah, it's just, exactly. It's, it's the, Pink Floyd. It's the, yeah, it's a simple, yeah, exactly. As we spoke about in the last episode, it's the simplest message possible in the most beautiful, it's the most beautiful rendition of the simplest message. Yes, and, um, and that's yeah. what meditations tries to be. It, <laughs> yeah. it acknowledges its minuteness, like, inherently self-referentially it knows what it is it just tries to package it beautifully and eloquently and it fails to do both mm, mm. it's a hard take coming in right it here, is man. a hard take yeah it's a hard take among you stuck your neck out there and that's that goes back to the exact thing of being able to finally say i don't like it yeah i was trying so hard while i was sitting in a cafe two and a half years ago reading meditations thinking i want to like this i really want to like this Page 30, I was thinking, I've gotten nothing from this except the time that I've lost. And then I (laughs) sort of kept continuing and it got worse and worse. And I was thinking, I didn't finish it. I got to like uh, the second half and I thought, who am I kidding with this? Yeah. And you also, and no one can tell you that you should have gone to the third half (laughs) because no writing, no, 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 the third third, because no writer insists that their first, the two thirds are shit. There was no build up. Yeah, he's not. Marcus Aurelius isn't smart enough to build up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, man. Well, yeah. Going back to the Alchemist, I guess what part of what made it special is the fact that it caught, like, similar to Animal Farm, it caught me at the right time. Yeah. Um, in that, like, I know one of the simplest things that you'll hear in all the motivational speeches is. Or even if you go watch like a Jordan Peterson speech and he talks about the importance of purpose over happiness um, and chasing purpose rather than just chasing an emotion. And you hear this in every single, every single way, form, whatever you hear this. And I don't know if it's a strike of luck or what it is, but 
one of them has to hit right for you to actually finally take action regardless of how many times you hear it like you might hear it like 50 times before something hits you so hard that you take action mm. and that's why the alchemist is so special because i heard the message before i've seen it on youtube i've watched motivational speeches i've almost gotten ramped up enough to make the decision i've and then simmered down again but the alchemist was the fucking nail in the coffin like that was what made me click different change direction yeah. and go in that direction yeah yeah and it's very black and white with the distinction you've either got that divine spark loaded in you or you don't and the alchemist made sure that you had it in you whereas the previous ones where you felt it build up and then simmer down that's probably an indication that it was disingenuous and it wasn't that wasn't your moment yeah that wasn't my moment maybe that so maybe that the alchemist is only great paired with its timing in my own life mm. but that's all i can comment on i guess that's all you have the leg to stand on to say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think, yeah, with Animal Farm, it's the exact same. It just caught me when I was 19 and highly, highly, probably the most impressionable yeah. I've ever been was when I was 19, aside from being an infant or whatever. But yeah, so just perfect storm, lightning in a bottle. And then that shaped the next, what it will be the next 10 years, I think, before I have some radical breakdown in my way of thinking again. And then I start, you know, like going to the other side, go like communal living or something. <laughs> Yeah. yeah yeah but i guess that was our selection of top books the alchemist for me animal farm from sid um what is the number one like book commonly mentioned besides like in your circles <laughs> i think the brothers karamazov is literally like just across the board from yeah. everyone yeah wow what, what have you heard just the new shit you know like the new self-help books you yeah. know like atomic yeah. habits and that kind of stuff yeah um in terms of classics Mod there's there's this whole um genre of modern classics where you get like to kill a mockingbird and uh um, that's really that up there and that's another one of the ones i just couldn't fucking read hey. what's the island one with the kids oh the 60s? lord of the flies lord of the flies which was a huge huge disappointment as well for me when i read that yeah but lord of the flies is one of those things that i feel like i need to revisit with a different lens because we studied it in english class and naturally, anything you study in English class, you have this predisposition to not like it. Um, yeah. Just, you just tell yourself, fuck the teacher, fuck I, this. I would recommend not going back for the modern classics that are in that, like The Great Gatsby and all that. I think if you have, there's a certain section or like area of books, if you would, if you can just have access to that, read that, and that'll pretty much cover the modern classics. They're mm. not as deep as they're made out to be. Yeah, maybe they just were think. written in the right time, right publisher. It's one of those like perfect moment things, you know, like Lord of the Flies is not great. Yeah. Like an insight into humanity. It's <laughs> like, just Survivor, right? Survivor, the game show. Yeah. Just with kids and a conch. What, what's the shell called? Conch, I think. A yeah. conch. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, well, man. Yeah. Not much else to say. Not much else to say besides thank you for watching. And yeah, tell us if you want more of these best of type videos. It's fun to do, but obviously it's a bit different it, in the layout. Yeah, obviously it might not be fun to watch, who knows. Yeah. But yeah, we, we just did these past three because we're separated now as we're speaking. Um, and we will be joining again uh, next week for some online discussions and then hopefully back in person soon again. And keep the train going. Thank you for listening. Like, thanks a lot. And thanks uh, for following the journey, I guess. Not our journey, but hopefully you're along your own journey and it's parallel to ours. And that's fun, you know. So we'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks for watching. Goodbye.